it still astonishes me that I am this age and this resourced and this loved, this celebrated and this held. And I still break wide open when we talk about the absence of my father's presence. December 25th, 2018. It was our first Christmas in our new million dollar home. I checked all the boxes that promised me real freedom. I had a booming business, reaping fans, money, assets, and yet I was still sitting there on the couch pretending that I was watching that Christmas movie with my family while I was choking down the poison of anxiety. I still felt like that desperate kid who would take her clothes off for money, the kid who nearly overdosed to try to prove her worth to her friends, the kid that got pregnant at 19. I felt stuck, like I was stuck in the sands of time. I did all the right things, all the things that promised me freedom and it didn't add up. I realized a few things. I was still checking someone else's box. This was gonna be an inside job and I would do whatever it took to never feel that way again. Consider this podcast the rebranded, revamped, cool-ass version of Alternative School. Alternative School for the Unruly Entrepreneur. This is for the innovators, the creators, the world changers, the service-minded, and those who want the details on how to create a business that really, truly, finally, fucking sets you free. I'm your host, Andrea Crowder, and welcome to the Unruly Entrepreneur Podcast. Let's go to the show. I posted today about these girls that followed me home and beat me to the ground and kicked me, and I was 12. Wow. And it was three of them. And they waited until I was like naked in the locker room. They took all my clothes. I mean, it was just. Oh my God. Yeah. And I had to do really big. When a marketer told me, I think you should go women focused. I refused because I was so afraid of women. It was a lot earlier in my career. And Mm -hmm. I was very afraid to have, I didn't have the emotional capacity to hold women close at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, hi for like leading the conversation for resiliency today, (laughs) because now I see you with this beautiful brand promoting the fuck out of women every single day and just like bringing people into close, treating the into you close and like treating them like family. And I mean, myself being one of them. Mm Mm-hmm. And it reminds me when I started studying uh, this week, I think, when did you text me the emotional code? Monday? I think so. I think I probably studied that for almost three hours that night. Um, The author, I mean, I'm a Gemini, right? So I get into that and, and I studied that. And when he started talking about the wall of the heart, then I splintered the study and I started to study that. Because he said in his, in one of his videos that they found that 94% of the human population has a wall around the heart and the 7% that don't. Did you read that? No. 
the 7% that don't are children who have not yet been traumatized. Mm -hmm. Or the 6%. Oh, so it must be 93% because he said the 7% that don't. So it's 93%. Yeah. I love this for a direction for our conversation today. Cause I was thinking, I'm like, what else do we have to say on resiliency? And I think a lot of times we talk about resiliency as a way to build up additional strength and toughness. And how can that toughness actually create? So I would have described it as like leather around my heart when I was like working on this last year where, yes, we can bounce back or yes, we can stay standing and not fall when tough things happen to us. But what's the next level of resiliency? Like, I know, Dad, you had mentioned you've been writing a lot around like truth and light. And I would, and then Allison, you're bringing up the heart. And that's been like such a topic of conversation, especially for me is like going through, you know, big stuff as a kid, especially with, you know, mom's past partner who we won't name. <laughs> and hurt and sadness and like lots of different relationships. And then also still wanting like depth and connection and craving that like human experience. Like, yes, I'm strong. Yes. I'll fall. Yes. I'll get back up every fucking time. Yes. I'm going to like build an awesome career. Yes. I'm going to make money. Yes. I'm going to protect myself. Yes. I'm going to protect my kids, but also like, where's like the sweetness. How do we, how do we have more sweetness? How do we have more like sweetness in the heart? How do we how do we build a resilient heart without building a hard heart? What do you got to say, dad? Uh, I'm listening. <laughs> you two are a going machine. <laughs> We're on a roll. We're on a roll. Today. We're not yeah. retired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I did two things recently about this. And and um, I I think that your question what do we do with a heart? Are we trying to toughen it up and make it thicker and heavier and more resistant, which also incl and, uh, includes uh, relationships, right? And one of the things that I never thought about in resiliency is the necessity of relationships. Right in order for us to be more resilient. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal to me. I'm not a relationship oriented person. And yet I spent 20 years on an SF team, that's 12 men. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's, it's a pretty significant amount of relationship going on for somebody who doesn't practice a whole lot of relationship stuff. Um, and so you build a different kind of relationship where when somebody's giving you a hard time on the team, you know, joking with you, you know, poking fun at you, you know, how come you only did a hundred pushups? How come you didn't do that extra one? Or just, you know, there's always these pokes that we, that we give each other and those pokes serve to make us a little stronger. And even our presence in the relationship uh, improves the resiliency of the other person, not saying anything, but, oh, man, I've got my teammate here with you. Oh, man, my friend is here. Oh, geez, you know, there's a little pressure involved. And that's useful. Uh, you know, there's always the, the, the wrong side of that. But, no, I, the, 
the second thing that I was doing uh, with this was why? Why resiliency? Why care? Why spend the time to train? Why spend the time to prepare? Why bother getting back up? Why not get into a bottle? Why not? Why should I step forward and do something? And two things occurred to me. One was, I want to have a reason for my family and for myself to to be proud. Not that I'm doing it for that, but because when you do something big, when you do something hard, people look people are a part of that. I mean, even my children sometimes, you know, they they say, well, you know, my dad's a special forces medic. And so they participate in the big thing just because they're my children. And and there's an asset to that. And I won't mind telling you, Andrea, the lady I talked to yesterday, I was chatting you up a little bit, you know, um, my daughter and her success and the, and the thing that I love the most that you're taking women with you. And so I kind of participated in your success just by being able to share that with someone. So our social relationships, our doing big things, uh, they aren't always uh, because we are driven to become a pilot or driven to become an astronaut or something like that. Sometimes, well, maybe even most of the time, it's because it's useful. I mean, do we really want to die and they put on my gravestone next to nothing? I mean, my memory is... Well, that's over with. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I I, I I hesitate to say this um, out loud. I've, I've thought it so many times and I really hes- hesitate to say it, but there isn't a whole lot about my father that I look back on and, and I'm proud of him. My stock um, goes up because of what he did or, or or something that he gave me from what or something there just wasn't a lot there well look i i give it to him okay his father was a drunk and he didn't pay attention to my dad and my dad was raised by another man and who didn't really pay much attention to him and my dad got off and went and did his own thing and basically he expected me to do the same thing and i kind of wanted my dad to be a part of my life and Mm-hmm. Ultimately, he even admitted that he wasn't. So, so there wasn't much t- for familial pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, pride sometimes seems like the wrong word, but there isn't a better one. And yet, I think maybe we give pride a, a bad name. I mean, pride in a good way, where we are we're proud of our family. We want to be proud of our friends and family. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that I think that resilience is worthy because we can do big things we can do hard things and then we can do bigger things and harder things and our family can be proud of us and we can be a pr- proud of our family it feels really good andrea to talk to somebody and share the little bit of your story that i can get in in, in a couple of minutes you know, or Jacob's story from 
what zero to 35 and then from 36 on he's a he's a rock star as a as a father it took him 35 years to get there but dang you know it was some rough times um and i don't know them all but damn it i'm proud of of the the steps that he's taken and and the place that he's at and so yeah i i think it's worth it as a as a human being on the face of the planet to do something valuable look back on it and go man i did that and my family can say yeah he did that or i can say yeah my daughter did that i think that's valuable that's what i was thinking about in terms of why resiliency i thought you know resiliency sucks there is <laughs> there is nothing fun about being awake for 72 hours straight humping a heavy rock um eating almost no food and then looking up my looking up at my team start when he when he walks into the perimeter and I smile at him and say hey that ruck looks heavy you want me to carry some of that for you <laughs> so uh you know none of that's that little smile and fun I had at his expense that was all I got out of that 72 hours let me tell you that sucked but the truth is later it provides something more. And that's that's the reason. I mean, I, I guess we could, because I'm not in this position now, but when I was a parent, that's a good reason to be resilient is being a parent, being strong to be able to, to do right for your children. But then later on, your children are doing right for you, or you're still doing right for your, all those things matter. And so, but I never thought of them like that before. So I guess that's a rambling way to say what I wanted to say. The last part that I got out of that was resiliency sucks. And that's, that's, I didn't get much out of it then, but I guess I got more later. Mm -hmm. I, I bet that's true for almost every moment of my personal, where I could say like, I was resilient mm -hmm. as fuck in that moment and I hated mm -hmm. it, but here's where mm -hmm. I got more out of it. Right. What yeah. came up for you, Allison? I saw you having some feels. <laughs> I definitely have a lot of feels and I'm so grateful to be in this conversation for many, many different reasons. And can I just say, by the way, you look gorgeous. <laughs> Holy smokes. Well, all I have is your, is all I have is that little, uh, that picture you sent me and, and I, and I, I couldn't tell if that was digitized or something, but even on Zoom, person-wise, you're gorgeous. Holy smokes. She is a stunning, alive, vibrant, joyful woman. Joy, joy, joy. For those of you who can't see her. <laughs> oh, she, my gosh. Allison wore PJs to the party today, and they say joy and joyful everywhere. <laughs> yay. Yay. Uh, they do, and I have tears just as you say that. And the tears, they were ready already because what I kept thinking when you were speaking, Daddy J, was I kept thinking, what is resilience the recipe for? Or mm -hmm. what, when is resilience required in our recipe for humanity? Mm -hmm. Because everybody doesn't need to be resilient. Like you said, your father, Daddy J, didn't have 
a need to leave resilience as his legacy in your eyes. We're not saying he wasn't resilient. He's not here to tell his story, but your eyes don't remember seeing that. Because uh-huh. the recipe for human that he chose to be didn't require that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right? So if I'm a casserole of a human and someone else is a gumbo of a human and someone else is a chili of a human, each of those humans has a different recipe that makes them up. And I think that we are often speaking about humanity as though there's one recipe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's what I really loved about what you shared is that it unpacked an immature concept of how we see things, a mm-hmm. small way of there's only one way to be a human and you should be resilient. No, I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. Somebody could say, I am completely not interested in being a Tigger in my life. Mm-hmm. I want no bounce back. And I do know people like that. And I would dare say that they are satisfied. Mm. Mm. Can't conceptualize. <laughs> Can't conceptualize it. Not a part of my recipe. <laughs> and so to answer your question, Andrea, that you asked Daddy J earlier, which is how do we soften resilience? Mm -hmm. I believe we've got to go back to the root of what does resilience mean in its etymological Mm -hmm. context, which is the root Mm -hmm. of the word. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so when we go to the root of the word, we know that resilience is an act of rebounding or springing back. Mm -hmm. Here's the piece that I really love about it. It's the power of returning to original shape after compression. Mm -hmm. So it is for me to be rejected and abandoned by my father and find my way back to love 30 years later. Mm -hmm. It is Mm -hmm. for you to witness your husband making decisions that don't set up your children for their future, that don't set up you for an abundant right now, for you to be able to eject out of that circumstance and return back to love. Mm -hmm. And it is Mm -hmm. you, Daddy J, to be standing in this 72-hour experience and -hmm. your body is worn and your spirit is worn and you're missing family and you're missing friends and you're wondering, why did I do this again? And you can still make a joke with someone next to you and you can bring levity and you can bring joy. That's resilience. So the conversation we're inviting everyone into is number one, what has stretched you so far beyond yourself that you thought you would be irrecognizable? And then after that stretching, what did you then know of yourself uniquely that you didn't know before? And then the third part is when you looked in the mirror, how did you see yourself as the original version of you and even a greater reflection of that? I think that's how we begin to soften the dialogue around resilience from my perception. I want a new word for resilience or like an upgraded word or an addition to the word, (laughs) because I like how you said um, the, in the definition to return to original form. And I kind of was like, 
maybe not. <laughs> I kind of would like to return to it in improved form or not return, but like, I kind of would like to settle into an improved form. And maybe that's the difference of like maybe my recipe according to someone else's, where maybe some people do actually return to original form and they are resilient in the fact that things happen and they just go on because they stayed in original form. And I would suggest that all three of us have not. (laughs) I would say that I healthily disagree. And my healthy disagreement is I do believe that I am returning to original form. When I was a little girl, I was deeply kind, loving, benevolent, generous, prophetic, mystical. I was imaginal, creative, bright. I ran, I jumped, I played. I wanted to hold hands. I wanted to sit in your lap. I wanted you to sit in my lap. I wanted us to play jacks and hang on the monkey bars and put on matching swimsuits. I wanted a daddy. I wanted to look in his eyes. I wanted to know what he thought of me. Over the years, I lost that. Hmm. I was jaded by the by the stretching of life and by the compression of life. And over the years, I was beaten by people, men and women. I was beaten and disciplined by my mother and my aunts and my cousins. I was paddled at school and shamed. I was separate. I was different. I was overweight. I was called fat. I was bullied. I was blamed. I was judged. I was compared. I was criticized. Now at 46, I'm returned to my original form okay now i get to healthily disagree okay you ready for this bring it let's see what happens here see he just tried to crack his knuckles y'all you missed it and i couldn't do it (laughs) i I, I never crack my knuckles i i don't i don't believe in it but it looks good (laughs) it it did (laughs) it did yeah so so here's here's the thing i think that 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 you've left out for me And so maybe you could clarify, you're talking about returning to that time as a child Mm -hmm. when you had that, that beauty in your spirit. And what I hear or what I see in the engineering version of uh, returning in a springy way back to original form is from where I'm at now. Right. And something happens and I return to where I'm at now. And so, th- so, so there's a gap there. I, I totally understand what you're trying to say in terms of uh, returning to that childhood nature, but golly, there's, there's a piece missing that I want deeply to hear from you that can show, because I, I, look, I, I think that there is, I think that there is a, monumental that's the word i want there's a monumental piece of information that you have of how you went from this grizzled war torn i say war torn i'm sorry that's where my mind goes uh grizzled war torn blisters on your feet bloodied up stumbled and half naked and just torn and and then somehow you make that trip back to that beautiful mystical child and and you resurrect 
that spirit. I want to know how you did that. Ooh, that was a resurrection, not resiliency. We got a resur. Okay, steps, uh -huh. please. <laughs> we have a seven-step process. Thank you. <laughs> that is a really, really, really good word. You know, hmm. I've got to think about this. That is a really good word. How did I hear a paper coming on? <laughs> <laughs> How did I resurrect? Yes. How did I, I resurrect? You know what? It's really funny. Mm. I, I, mm. Mm -hmm. let me give space for editing. How do I answer that, Andrea? Well, think about it for a second. And while you do, I'll just add that my thinking actually was the same, Dad, was where I started with when around the perception of resiliency and the actual definition, it was like original form, get knocked down, spring back up, back into mm -hmm. original form. And my mm -hmm my perception of myself is like, I don't ever spring back up into original form. Mm -hmm, I always mm -hmm. spring back up into an improved form or I, I mm -hmm. seek that. Mm -hmm, I speak mm -hmm. that. I, I, well, I speak mm -hmm. that and I seek that. <laughs> and what Allison is saying is she, I bet you do the same thing. And also you're like, someone got left behind. <laughs> Mm. and she's this age and she's this age and she's this age and she's this age and I'm going to go resurrect mm. her. I'm going to call her home. Mm. I'm going to call her back to me. Mm. And I think you and I probably say the same thing in different ways that we've, especially during the season of our lives have been going through this like reclamation of self. I've talked about that so much since you and I did our podcast together. Even when I did Kate Northrup's podcast, I was like, I was talking to Allison and we're like talking about this reclamation of, and it does feel like I've gone back for resurrected and reclaimed and brought home and created a deeper sense of power, wholeness and, and light and bright. And <laughs> I see your shirt. I'm just like Christmas tree <laughs> of like self that little girl anywhere she was that that I that hadn't made it to this point of my life with me it wasn't a spring it wasn't a go down and spring back up for her it was like I'm going back for her right I had to go find her I had to reclaim her yeah go find yep that's where my mind was go find I want to go find that person I remember that person that I was and I want her back mm-hmm Resurrection represents a rising. And what's really funny is when you look it up, it represents to rise again. Mm -hmm. Resilience. Mm -hmm. Dang. Right. So this to rise again, when I think about what supported me to rise again, the first thing is I had to have the courage and this is going to sound strange to some people, but I'm willing to sound strange to introduce a new concept and a new paradigm of thoughts. I had to have the courage to be disliked. Mm -hmm. And the dislike that I had to be willing to have first was in the mirror. 
because over time I had become a version of myself that wasn't myself. So when the true aspect of me would speak up, I would look in the mirror like, that's not you. Yeah. So at some point I had to look in the mirror and say, actually the part of you that holds disdain for that true aspect of you that's rising, you've got to be willing to be disliked within yourself for a moment. Hmm. And that really is the beginning of, mag of, of manifestation and magnetism because manifestation, when you start learning the brand new principles, it requires a pretty heavy chunk of delusion. Yeah. Pretty heavy chunk of it. So I recognized that I had to be willing to be disliked first within myself. The second thing is I had to support that willingness with a new lexicon, which is language. What am I saying to myself about myself? And that is an internal process that a lot of humanity bypasses. And we don't bypass it because we want to bypass it. We bypass it because we're not trained in it. Right. We're not agile in how we speak to ourselves with buoyancy, with uh, breakthrough language, with loving kindness, and even to see ourselves with loving eyes. And then the last and third thing that I would say if I was first willing to dislike myself within myself so that I could create something different, if I was willing to speak about myself newly within myself, mm -hmm. then the last thing that I had to tap into was what Gay Hendricks would call the crime of outshining. In his book, what is that called? The Big Leap? Mm -hmm. The crime of outshining. And what is the crime of outshining? It's to look outside of yourself and to say, I'm greater and I'm okay being greater. And it's like, what are you greater than? I'm greater than the circumstance. Mm -hmm. I am greater than the situations that I'm seeing. And maybe I'm even greater than the community I've been in. Maybe I'm greater and I'm okay to outshine because that outshining is going to become a beacon of light and support for those who see me. And so I think those are the three things that if I were to break it down into steps of, of resurrection, those would be three critical steps that help each and every one of us, whether we're resurrecting through an old life, whether we're resurrecting through patterns, whether we're re resurrecting through racism, whether we're resurrecting through divorce, failed business, you know, you can name all kinds of life scenarios that take us down, but we get to find our rise again. And can I add that maybe I am greater than the thoughts I have experienced and maybe I can separate my identity from a thought because most people aren't trained in that either. And I really like felt so activated and alive. And when you said that, because most of us are trained to believe a thought that I think is also who I am. And that's not, nobody can actually prove that says who find the science. Nobody can agree on this topic. So I have thoughts all the time where I'm like the fuck, 
Where did that come from? Because I know that's not who I am in my identity. And yet we are so trained in this planet to believe every thought that floats through our mind is who we are and that we have to own it. We have to take personal re fucking responsibility for it. So I like the idea that I am even greater than thought because I am is my power of source of creation. I am is my connection to God. And that is greater than a thought that my little human mind can think. That's what feels greater to me. Dad, speak on it. Go. I wish I had something, you know, really great to say. I, I think I have more questions than I have Good. some bit of wisdom and sometimes I feel that little that little pressure you know to like gee I wish I had something good to say but you know I think I still have more questions so you guys are kind of talking another language I, I'm I'm kind of lost in where you guys are at you you've maybe read some of the same books and had some of the same conversations and I don't think I really understand it all very well but one of the things that that I've thought about when I was listening to Allison was what made you want to go back and resurrect? What, what, what was the impetus that said, hey, I want that? Yeah. I mean, after you've been, you know, traumatized and I can hear it, you know, and I can even see it a little, it's, it's about this big, but I, I can see it a little bit. What makes you wanna go back for that? Well, I mean, that seems like it puts you in a place of risk and and something in your heart and in your mind and in your body said i don't care i want that and i i want to know this is my curiosity what was it that made you want to take that risk i love that you asked me that question i was actually talking to my sister about this last night because she said she mentioned a former mayor to our city and she saw him and he was voted in in 1981. And my sister said to me, you will not believe who I saw. And I said, who? And she said, Mayor Cisneros. I said, our Mayor Cisneros? And she said, yes. <laughs> and I said, wow, as kids, we had such pride for our city and we had play voting and we voted and we were so excited to vote for Mayor Cisneros. We marched for Mayor Cisneros <laughs> and I remembered that and I was born in 1977. So that's a very young core memory for me. At the same time, my older cousin was becoming the first black state representative for Texas and female. At the same time, my mother was working for a nonprofit where there was a black female at the helm of that that was building a restorative project for black leaders to have an entire inner city in San Antonio. At the same time, Martin Luther King's day was being um, accepted nationally. All these different things were happening in my little young reality. And I'm looking around and this is also happening when my dad is in prison, my mom and him are figuring that out. 
My mom is working three jobs. Wow. Figuring that out. We're moving around different places because my mother is trying to financially stabilize us, which means we're changing schools, changing communities. The world is getting bigger and blackness isn't just with blackness and Hispanics aren't just with Hispanics and Asians aren't just with his Asians and Caucasians aren't just with Caucasians. So then we move and we start seeing life, you know, differently. All of those things were happening, Daddy J. And what my little mind thought was, I, I really couldn't see the, the drama between my mom and the busyness and all of that, because all I could see was these people doing great things. We're marching, mm -hmm. we're voting, mm -hmm. we're building communities, we're rallying, we're organizing. Mm -hmm. And that's actually who I've become. I've become all of those things because as a young girl, all I saw over and over again was life matters. Your mm -hmm. voice matters. My great grandfather mm -hmm. uh, founded four churches in San Antonio, Texas. There's mm -hmm. a statue of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and my great grandfather in that city today. <laughs> So those things, everybody just told me all the time I mattered. They told my sister she mattered. They told my cousins they mattered. These new generations, once we got into the 90s, I started to see this degradation of mattering, especially mm -hmm. in my culture. So I that's what gave me that resilience to go back and get myself and to build this mm. voice of truth. I've always had a deep, raspy, commanding voice, but now my voice has authority because it has that resilience. It has resurrection. It has rising in it. And so when people hear it, they're like, oh, they stand automatically when they hear it because it commands them. And that makes me happy. That gives me sensations of purpose. So to answer your question, I saw it in my core memories. And even though abuse and trauma and drama came after that, divine order ensured that before I was seven years old, I was tagged with, you're great. So you, at a later age, and I don't know, because I, I don't think you've really said, but you at a later and matured age, looked back at your greatness and said, I want that and it's worth the risk. I can't even ever say that I've assessed risk when mm. it came to my greatness. It mm. felt like a non-negotiable. It felt like why I was born at all. Purpose. That's what I heard. And yeah. I, I think that that's, what I resonate with the most personally when I think about my own resiliency is mm -hmm. I love, I love the, uh, quote by, why can't I think of his name? He built Apple. Steve jobs. Thank you. Steve jobs. I love the quote with Steve jobs. If the vision is big enough, it will pull you right. Like you don't. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is, I feel like what my brand always comes back to is like the, 
the energy of desire, not even discipline. Like, I don't even think you need discipline anymore. I said that on stories the other day. I was like, how about devotion to the desire? And discipline is rendered unnecessary. And I, I look at that North star of like my purpose, that thing that like alivens every cell inside of my body. It awakens me and it makes me want to go back. It makes me want to be wholer. It makes me want to have more potency. It makes me want to have a longer battery life. It makes me want more mental clarity and like more, more of all of the faculties and the resources and the tools that I have access to in my body and outside. I just want like all of the resources possible that I have access to right now in order to continue to move me towards that North star. It's that purpose. I agree with you. Like, I don't even feel like I ever had a choice because it is like yanking me forward. It is like a divine order that I couldn't even, I wouldn't want to Mm. deny because it feels so true and correct. Oh, wait a minute now. We're, we're, we're starting to get towards what it sounds like we're starting to get towards a recognition of the spirit that not only can't you deny, but you want it. It has, there's a, there's a, I'm going to say familial. Uh, there's a, there's so many words. I'm having a hard time picking the right one because you use the word drag and you use, uh, you both have said language like that, that, that makes me perceive something greater than myself that's attracting me use the word magnetic or magnet or something that's attracting me in a way that i can't uh, overcome and i don't want to right and when i use the word drag like how i see it in my head is as if like you were like come this way and i'm five right and you're right. like a yeah. big human. I'm in a little human. And you're like, come yeah. this way. It's going to be so exciting. It's going to be so good over mm-hmm. here. But your legs right. are longer than mine. And you're kind yeah. of dragging me because I just don't have the length. Yeah. Not because I need to be dragged. I just don't have the capacity to <laughs> to run as fast as you. Well, that and maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. And so there's, you know, wait a minute. Do I really want to go? Um, I don't know. No, so. that's not how it feels at all. It feels no, like okay. I can, there's a transference of yeah. like joy and anticipation that I can feel yeah, from you. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I just can't run as fast as you, but I'm coming. I got you. <laughs> well, and that was what I said just a minute ago is that, uh, yeah. that it, it's something that you want, want. something that, that you, something is, is attracting you in such a way. It's so powerful that, well, you almost don't have a choice. It's, there's a your... devotion to the desire and to the seeking. Yeah. Okay. Wait a second. Can you write that down for me? <laughs> There's a devotion to the desire to the desire. and to the seeking of it. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to have to think about that one for a few minutes. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, one of the things that moves through me is in the Christian faith, they call God Abba Father. Mm-hmm. Abba Father. And there's actually it's, it's Ab is father and Abba is daddy. (laughs) Abba. So you say, so you say Ab is dad. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then Abba Abba is is daddy. Is daddy. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Papa or Papa. I love that. Mm -hmm. So in the, and is that in Hebrew, in Hebrew, right? Or Aramaic? Hebrew. Hebrew. Okay, that's it. So, and I love how daddy says, 
I don't understand what y'all are talking about. And then he's like, no, break that down in the Latin context of the. <laughs> I know I was thinking the same, actually. <laughs> like, like daddy is all into the um, breakdown with us. And I love this for us. Why was that a requirement for Western world to call God father? And what's interesting to me is before we got on, I started hearing this idea around resilience in our conversation. And I looked up growing out, growing up without a father mm. and the psychological harm of a father's absence experienced during childhood. Mm -hmm. And the numbers are pretty astonishing that 63% of young death by suicide are from fatherless homes. 85% wow. of children who exhibit behavior disorders are from fatherless homes. 84% or 85% of children who exhibit behavior disorders are from fatherless homes. 84% of homeless families are headed by women, which means they're fatherless. And growing up without a father, humans, humanity is more likely to become depressed, suffer mm -hmm. suicidal mm -hmm. thoughts, mm -hmm. have anxiety, social withdrawal, and leave school so leave the need to belong like not even nurture belonging mm -hmm. wow. mm -hmm. and i think that it's so interesting that we have so much fatherlessness that continues to be an epidemic in our society and it became popularized to call god father when when really when you're in the eastern uh, cultures, you do not call Godfather because you don't have a need to call Godfather. So I'm just re receiving that as I'm hearing this and I'm thinking as a fatherless generation, we've had decade on decade of fatherless generations. And I think that's part of what we're speaking to is we're speaking to a lot of people that will be listening to this conversation and to this dialogue who have felt um, fatherless and unfathered. And mm -hmm. that lack of being fathered has produced a crisis of insecurity. Mm. And that crisis of insecurity uh, creates the inability to influence self, to govern self, to help self make high frequency choices and exchanges in life. And when we can't do that, we start to defend and protect and hide, which is where the wall around the heart comes. Uh -huh. And when the wall around the heart comes, then we can't feel. We can't feel because we don't want to feel. We want to numb from the pain, but then we inadvertently numb out the joy too. Right. Uh -huh. And so, you know, as I'm hearing us, I'm like, wow, this is a really nuanced and beautiful, soft dialogue that I believe just our explorations, I don't think that we owe anyone answers. I think we owe, I think we're gifting this exploration and humans that just hear us kind of, you know, uh, go down this stream of consciousness will find their own reconciliation just through us exploring our own 
our own past, our own present, and being open to reformation in our futures. Well, mm. how fascinating that I did an RRT session with a client and she was, there was this almost like a perception of a ceiling and where she could have success because if she had more of it, then she wouldn't need her husband to do more, right? Was like the the conversation mm. that we were getting. I asked her, mm. we went through of like, what are the blocks between you and here? And like the belief systems were this, 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 this. And I asked her, why do you want those beliefs to be true? And she was like, oh, because if I have that level of success, then I won't be able to tell my husband I need him to do X, Y, Z for me. And I said, now, when did that sensation begin? And I had her close her eyes and get really, really present with the sensation. And I was like, how old is it? And she goes, I'm an infant. And I was like, and who did you really want to need in that moment? And she said, my father. Mm-hmm. Never had anything to do with her husband, never had anything mm-hmm. to do with success, never had anything to do with money or sales or any of that. It was, there was mm-hmm. an inner facet of her mind that was still like, if I have too much, if I'm too independent, then I won't need my dad. And if I don't need my dad, I don't get love. I don't get protection. There's mm-hmm. a break in connection. And we have this like deep human desire to have to, to not have that breaking connection, especially with a mother and a father. I feel that so hard. I'm so grateful you unpacked that because I feel like as a reflection of what you just said, the humans that are listening, like we've just basically through the synergy that we've all created, just created a hammock of healing yeah. for humans. Yeah. You know, I just, our conversation to me feels like a warm spring breeze and mm. it smells like the ocean and i'm so misty and i told you this andrea that when you That's said not misty <laughs> i'm so misty <laughs> when you said i want you to get on a conversation with me and my dad and i just it still astonishes me that i am this age and this resourced and this loved, this celebrated, and this held. And I still break wide open when we talk about the absence of my father's presence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you could give an age to this to this sensation, this breaking open that's present here, how old is it? Yeah, she's definitely 12 because um, that's the age he said, I'll call you back. Mm -hmm. Good. And so where is Allison at 12? She at home with her mom. I'll call you back. Where is she? My grandmother's house grandmother's house good so she's there and you stay here with me so go ahead and open your eyes be present here with me and she's there at grandma's and then first memory that comes to mind of um accomplishment that that made you feel fucking alive at that age or 
any like um more recent in the last 10 years oh in the last 10 years um i would oh my god it would definitely have to be when i began traveling with lisa nichols mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. good and then give me one specific moment where are you with her <laughs> The first time I walked into like a three bedroom suite. Yep. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> okay, good. So you're walking into a three bedroom suite. Go ahead and hold on, hold on. <laughs> Blow your nose. Blow your nose. Get it. So all the audience can hear. Oh my God. I think Zoom blocked it out disappointingly because that would have been such an epic like sound effect. I thought she was, I thought she was faking it. And so I was like, I was so waiting for this moment. <laughs> no, she just blew her nose in her mic, but I think Zoom blocked us. <laughs> it's okay. all good. Okay. So just for a minute, close your eyes and re reminisce and re-experience walking into that three bedroom suite. And as you reminisce, and get to retaste, she gets to taste for the very first time, knowing that that is what she is on her way to. It is sure, indisputable, undeniable, couldn't not happen. That is her future. She didn't know it then, but she is getting it now, taking in a deep breath. And then nice exhale. And then first memory that comes to mind where you helped someone just crack open, have an aha, have an accomplishment, where you had the satisfaction of watching others move forward, transform, or achieve what comes to mind? The first time I helped Lisa make a monumental amount of sales. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And where are you guys in this moment? In the Bahamas. Jeez, oh, three bedrooms, Bahamas. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> obviously she introduced me to the good life she did thank you lisa shout out <laughs> forever in our gratitude for the allison bird we have in front of us today shout out to lisa okay so reminiscing re-experiencing re-tasting and smell it too feel it on your face the bahamas an experience that not everyone will ever get and you did, and you got to not only experience this location, but you got to experience helping someone else succeed, not even at, not even something small. Like this is a magnitude of achievement that most will never get in their life. And you got to help facilitate support and love someone through that experience, celebrate with them. And as you re-experience it, she's also getting that her timeline is getting closer and updating and now and now and forward, forward, closer, closer, taking a deep breath. And then exhale. And then one last moment that comes to mind of just all, maybe a moment where you're just present with your creator, maybe a moment where you are present with your creator's creations, seeing something beautiful in the world. First one that comes to mind. First time I went to Aruba. Mm -hmm. Are you with someone or are you alone? I'm with Lisa. Lisa, <laughs> we love her. <laughs> okay. So you're in Aruba. Are you on the plane getting off? Are you in another three bedroom suite? <laughs> the government of Aruba comes to greet us as we deplane. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. And there's like bands and music. And 
<laughs> like we bypass all of customs and they're like, you're here. It was well, that's the-, the special part. You bypass customs. <laughs> but what was really beautiful was right when you walk out, you just see like a world you've never seen before. You you can literally see the the clean the clean cleanliness yeah. of the air. It's mm-hmm. just astonishing. Beautiful. Okay. So as you re-experience that, you reminisce, you share that story. We even get to experience it with you. But what's more importantly is that she does too. That is her future. It's sure. She tastes it. She smells it. She experiences it. She knows it's hers. She's claiming it for herself. It is hers. It is now, 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 clean, clear, and free, and taking another breath. And now check for that original sensation. It feels different, huh? Reclamation, my friends, reclamation. Mm-hmm. You know what I saw right away? (laughs) What? My grandmother had this phone that was attached to the wall because that's where phones used to live. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I really don't know if that's where I was talking to my dad. It feels like that's where I was because I remember it had like a hundred foot cord so you could walk all around the house. Mm -hmm. And for the first time I saw that phone like hung up. Yeah. Like I'm not standing there holding it. You're not. Y'all can't see it. I'm sure you can hear it. I have no idea how much of this will make it to the episode, but the level of snot that is connecting my lips as I cry this hard with this much liberation in my body is astonishing. And the other aspect is that there has been a pain in the right side of my back for, Mm. I don't know how long, and it would come and go with just these waves of discomfort. And it just literally decreased to like almost negative in pain. And I'm blown away right now. Definitely didn't think this was going to be our podcast moment. But here we are. (laughs) I'm great. But here we are. Resilience, reclamation, resurrection, all the things. Rising. Fuck it, rising. (laughs) And And family. And family. This goes back to what you said right at the beginning, Dad, of like, we can be more resilient. Like, there's more power for it when not only do we have people standing side by side with us, helping us, but also we have that thing to reach for. Yes, it's, it's wonderful. The support and doing it, but it's also the drive in wanting to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's blessing in it. There is joy. There's peace and confidence. I don't know if I've ever told you this. So this, it might be a little nuance. It might be powerful. I don't know which, but here's the truth. This is, this is biblically true. The devil has no capacity for peace or confidence. The devil can lie to you. He can deceive you. He can take you. He can show you your pride and puff you up like a, like a peacock. 
but he can't give you peace and he can't give you confidence. So when you go through a moment like this, this beautiful woman, and she has the opportunity to share this moment and even show or, or, or speak the peace that she's, that she's feeling right now. Man, I just love that. Such a joy in my heart, you know, to see and to hear and to watch. It's wonderful. Allison's shirt. <laughs> Her whole shirt says joy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. You like, wow. Uh, fuck. I mean, literally, we have created a family kitchen table. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I think that's beautiful. It feels to me, I grew up in the South and we made these cookies called, um, oh my God, they're made in the Scottish uh, community too. Oh, they're called tea cakes. Have y'all ever had a tea cake? I've oh. been in the South a few times too, but never. Never had never a had tea cake. It's no. a little bit lighter than a snickerdoodle and it's not as sweet mm -hmm. as a snickerdoodle. So it's kind of like a taste between, Ooh. um, yeah, it's not sugary sweet and became very common, um, in the South. It's bready and cakey and cookie. -y. It's all of it together mm -hmm. in one little, anyway, it's called a tea cake and you have it in the afternoon and you invite your family, your friends over, and you make a pot of coffee and you make a pot of water for tea and you sit. And for anyone who wants something cold, you probably picked mint out of your garden and you let a big thing of tea sit out in the sun so you could have sun mint tea. Yum. And you sit with tea cakes and sun mint tea or hot coffee and you share your heart and it used to be called like oral history. You know, you would share your oral history and that oral history would give strength and confidence and conviction to the listener. And you would just kind of pass it around. Yeah. And that's what we've done. And, and I'm in awe of this moment because it feels so ancestral to me. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, well, good. I'm glad to be a part of your ancestry. And, and <laughs> I can't say it. Ancestry. You did. Ancestry. I said it. I'm going to just stop. <laughs> Andrea, he was so excited when you call him daddy. <laughs> oh, we get so, do you get so happy when I call you daddy, Jay? Here. Hell yeah, I do. <laughs> all my all my friends love him and they want to be adopted by him. Catherine texted yesterday and she listened to his episode last week and she's like, can your dad be my dad too? And I'm like, literally everyone can have a piece of him. He loves this shit. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's that true. is so great. That is so great. You know, it be, wouldn't it be so cute to like, I don't, I wonder how you would handle that, Daddy J, if we pulled some fatherless entrepreneurial women to just kind of ask you some daddy questions. He would love that. She day. shoots. She scores. Hell yeah. I'd love to do that. That would be this. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's in my that's in my lane of of ah oh, man. That's resonating with me. So I don't know what to say. I'll just stop. <laughs> well, I yes. do have one question, Daddy. First of all, thank sure. you for saying yes to that. How mm -hmm. did you propose? Oh, Ooh. 
Wait, can we tell like the tiny backstory that Allison found out as I did that my dad is, is engaged? He's like, oh yeah, that's my fiance. And I was like, what? We're group texting. And you We're said, wait, what? Texting. And I was like, oh my fucking God. I just found out as you did that my dad's engaged. Okay. How did you propose? Oops. Carry on. Because I actually have not heard this either. So everybody's hearing it with me. <laughs> The most important thing is that I first contacted her daughter and her son mm. and asked their permission. And I let them know before I asked their permission that if they said no, that it meant no to me too. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not a fan of somebody asking for permission in a, <laughs> in a non-asking way. Right. As um, a formality. Yes. There was no formality to me. And her daughter cried mm. because I am was completely sincere of how important it was to me that uh, her children approve that it's okay for me to propose. And when I talked to her son, I talked to him like a man, like he was the father. And uh, he appreciated that, too. He wanted some time. I said, I understand. I'll wait for your call. And uh, so when he called me back and he said to me, and I quote, you have our blessing. Oh, man, that was good. You know, I just like, dang, that's a that's a celebration of, you know, of me as a as a person in their family. And I wanted that, you know, so so then I, I told them I was going to propose at Christmas and I had uh, I had designed and created a wedding ring for her and I bought her favorite stone, a tanzanite. I took it to the um, to the jewelry store and had them cast up. They, they kept making these, these plastic castings, trying to get the ring right. I'm like, no, I don't like that. Those leaves are too small. That doesn't, I, they, I made them go through like seven or eight different castings until uh, they got what I wanted. And then- well, What were the they, aspects that you wanted in the casting? Yeah, I wanted it to be organic. I wanted it to feel organic and look organic. And it was a, it's a ring, but it, I wanted it to look like, a vine and these these leaves coming around and then at the point of the stone for the leaves to surround the stone. And then on the side, there were two diamonds, one for each of her children. And then for those leaves to be holding the stone. And I wanted that to be an, uh, elements that she could connect with and resonate with. I didn't want a, a typical you know, diamond ring. We're not 25, you know, we're, we're in our sixties. And, uh, but I wanted something that would mean something to her. And, uh, so, you know, I finally got it done and, it, um, so I got it in a little box. It has a little light looking down on it. It was so gorgeous. And so anyway, at Christmas time, you know, we're all sitting around in our jammies and have had, um, a wonderful Christmas morning, the first one I've had in, you know, several years. I spent the last one with Jacob and with his family. It was such a beautiful time for me, too. And uh, I said, well, I have one more thing because we had all given our gifts and unwrapped them and stuff. And 
I said, I just want you to know. And I turned around and looked at her and I said, look, I, I got nothing to give you except the truth and this ring and a question. Would you marry me? And she was very taken aback and very, she was pleased. I don't know. Then her daughter says, oh, thanks. You overshadowed the whole Christmas. <laughs> this is your first one. And you <laughs> overshadowed the whole Christmas. Like, I'm sorry, but this was, this was, this is the most important thing I've done in a very, very long time. And, uh, and I, I want to say something else to you guys about this particular little piece of my life. I was talking to um, day before yesterday. Yes, Andrea, I'm still sober. Don't even think about it. Doesn't exist in my life. I'm so Wait, happy. give a tiny or here. Just no, you tell it because I I don't tell it the way you do. It's, it's I'm not good at that. It's fine. Okay. So you guys, the very first time I ever interviewed my dad on the podcast, we'll link that episode in the show notes, but we talked about, um, how he had worked with Dr. Connolly around, um, addiction and desire to drink. So you had been sober, but it was still a struggle. It was something that you thought about all the time and mm -hmm. you wanted to yeah. be free of it, like calling to you. Right. And so, right. um, I had temptation, you, and, yeah. the temptation, mm -hmm. right. And so, um, I had, uh, booked some sessions with Dr. Connolly for my dad around, um, drinking. And so I was like, wait, this was like a year and a half ago. I think it's been a minute. Oh, it's been a long time. Catherine remembered the call and she's like, wait, how's your dad doing with his sobriety? And I was like, oh, I haven't asked him in a minute. And I assumed I would have probably heard from you if, if not, although who knows you got engaged, maybe not. <laughs> I don't hear all the important things, I guess. But I texted my dad and he's like, don't even think about it anymore. Sober is, what'd you say? Sober is something. So like, if you guys have somebody yeah. who's interested in, um, in being sober and being free of the temptation of it, RRT is something that's really powerful. So Lorelai, dad, you didn't know this, but Lorelai and then my team member, Kayla, all of us decided we wanted to stop drinking together. Not because we drink a lot, but just there's been no value of it in our life. And mm. so- I haven't had any desire, so I didn't RRT myself, but Lorelai and Kayla both used RRT to eliminate the desire for drinking so that it just feels completely unappealing to us. And none of us have had the desire to drink since then either. So we did that. Literally oh, it's drink. way more than unappealing. You are minimizing it and you know it. That's it's, true. Just, it's disgusting. <laughs> That's the power of RRT. What used to feel like something that was a warm friend now feels uh -huh. disgusting. Right. Yeah. Don't minimize it because it's valuable. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so so to go back then, the, the thing that was the most important to me recently is that I talked to, uh, I'm still a, the VA says, look, you know, you have a propensity to be a drinker. And so we'd like for you to talk with a, an alcohol, a substance abuse specialist. So I was talking to him. And then the day after, which is yesterday, I talked to my psychologist again. And I told the both of them, I said, you know, a person has to have a reason to get up in the morning. They have to have a reason to choose. Andrew, you and I have talked about this before. And you said you didn't connect with it at all. It's not a, a thing in your world. But for me, it's a big deal. A reason to choose sobriety and recovery, not recovery from alcohol. I mean, recovery from my PTSD. 
-hmm. And and I told the two of them yesterday, I said, Deanne is a beautiful person. She she doesn't say something that makes me want to stay away from alcohol. No. She doesn't say things that, you know, that challenge me. Don't you, you know, don't shit pointing her finger. No, none of those things. Her, her nature is so beautiful that I, I just want more of that, <laughs> you know? And um, and the, there's, well, that's a whole nother ball of wax, but that's a beautiful, oh, there you go. It's a fragrant thing for me is the beauty in her that I get to have. And part of that's because not only, Andrea, do I not even think about drinking, but but I've spent two years now working towards choosing towards the recovery in PTSD. And I'm able to go out and do things now that I have not been able to do in over 15 years. Wow. And, and because, because I was making the choice to do the work, mm -hmm. to find those things, deal with those things and let my, I told you about my circle of, uh, my circle of, what did I call it? Uh, reactivity. What a glorious future I have in front of me. I just can't believe it. I mean, I, I, I talked to you on the phone the other day, and he's like, Dad, I can't believe how perky you sound. And like, Andrea, I haven't felt this way in decades. Yeah. Anyway, I'm so happy that I got to share this, this little part of my life with you all. And But in terms of, Allison, in terms of speaking with all you now, now I'm going to get in trouble, okay? Somebody's going to say, oh, but I'm not a girl. Okay, stop. I don't mean girl because you're immature. I mean girl because you're springy. You're youthful. You have energy. <laughs> we're springy, you're, Allison. You're springy. Yes, you're we're springy. springy. Yeah. You're springy. You, you, have to my skin? you have energy. <laughs> you have the fragrance of those flowers that I love so much. And, and I want, so I use the word girl, okay? If you don't like it, we're good shoot me or point, point a, an arrow at me. I don't know what, but I love the word girl because of that youthfulness and that springy nature. I just love it. So I, I would love for you girls to, to sit and ask me questions and who knows, I, I might have something good to say. I might say, I just don't know. I don't know, but I am all open, all open. I'm all in. That's the word I want to say. We're going to schedule a dad zoom. So everybody okay. click the link below and apply. I'm going to charge people <laughs> hundred bucks. Hey, a person. Miles, make a buck, you know, a hundred, a hundred bucks a person goes all proceeds go to dad and Dion <laughs> <laughs> and the new love for a hundred or something. Oh, I love that. I yeah, the love answer is no. Like if, if 20 people the say yes, that's $2,000 for daddy. Yeah. The answer is no, you're not allowed to do that. But thank you. I appreciate it. Do that. which part? <laughs> no, oh, I have no a Zelle. Yeah. I can just put money into his account. <laughs> like there's anyways. We'll sort out the rest. We'll just get everyone on the Zoom. Everything that 
they have to go through ahead of time. You don't need to know about my dad has money blocks, guys. He has not done WAP yet. We'll get him there. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's fine. It's better. It's better. Okay. okay. <laughs> but Allison, were you also thinking like, I want that in my life. Like, touch me. Give me some of that. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. I want to wake up for, for someone. No, I'm actually, I actually don't care about that right now. <laughs> about which part? the reason like dad's um relationship with Deanna and like her being like a north star and a purpose for him to like do his yeah. work and all of that so i'm like no actually joy mm-hmm. i have plenty of that in my life <laughs> yeah. i have a lot of that and i think that i have a lot of that which i love and i do love being loved and i love being in love and i love being adored And um, those things are beautiful. And so as I was listening to you, I was like, oh, that's Mm -hmm. such a vibe. And I definitely think that different decades love differently. You love very Mm -hmm. differently in Mm -hmm. your 20s than you do in your 30s and then your 40s. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and so you and I haven't hit the decades of 50s and 60s. And as I listen to Daddy J, I'm like, that sounds like someone in their decade of their 60s that that. that texture of love, it mm. also comes with a texture of wisdom. Mm. I love the word texture. Dang, that's a good one. <laughs> Thanks, Daddy. I feel so Yeah. What's up? <laughs> oh my God. This was so good. You guys, I don't even know what to Wait, say to you did other you than see like Daddy Black Woman neck roll at me. Oh yeah. What? What's up? <laughs> no, I missed that. <laughs> take this wheel I can't do this on my own (laughs) (laughs) oh that will probably be the only moment we use on video because that's priceless for all three of our reactions (laughs) and the neck roll yeah that's going on insta (laughs) oh you guys you know what I'm gonna put a link below that is our tool that you guys can leave voicemails most of the time we use this so that people can um, ask questions for future episodes, but what I would love for this episode or for this episode in particular is use that link, drop a voicemail and just let us know, like, what were your takeaways? And then give dad and Mm -hmm. Allison some love because Mm -hmm. the way that I reached out to both of them and I'm like, you guys don't even know each other yet. I feel like you're supposed to know each other. Let's get on the zoom. Let's do this together. The vulnerability that came out today was, I mean, like there was something really poetic and special and like there was like Mm. an there was an artistry and healing that was that was Mm. going down today that was really really special and so if you guys Mm. have anything that you want to say just for even getting to witness this drop it below so that i can share it with daddy j as he's now been branded by allison (laughs) and then with mama bird as i call her thank you for tuning in if you guys heard something special today that really activated you think about who you might want to share this with and just think of a specific reason of why this would be valuable for one other person in your life reach out to them and tell them like hey i think this episode would impact you greatly here's why here's why i thought of you so just share that with them and thank you guys hi this is lorelei coo of the unruly entrepreneur If you want a mini taste of rapid resolution therapy, I highly recommend Andrea's top program, Regulate, a course that is swiftly changing lives like one listener who said, Regulate is like the best damn anti-anxiety non-med fix available. Everyone needs to have this. Thank you for creating something so healing. And another who said, 
I woke up to the biggest weekly paycheck I've seen in over a year and I was like, wait, that felt easy and seamless. What was different? And immediately I was like, yep, it was Regulate. A hundred percent it was. Head to the show notes to learn more about this life-changing and laid-back program that fills our inbox with stories of relaxed nervous systems. And because you're still listening, we have a top secret 15% off code reserved only for our most unruly listeners. Thanks for listening, friend. We're so glad you're here.